0: It's Sally here. Just a quick one, just a quick one. If you like this really sweary podcast by Kelechi, sorry, Kelechi, do remember to rate and review Say Your Mind on Apple Podcasts, okay? Now for the very urban intro music. <laughs> It's the Benz Brunani woman is baby boys baby girls you need to hear this Every Sit down sit down receive this realness make sure your cops ready for the tea we are go sip yo hard time calling for your long truants you might learn something you never know can let you find and she's one of a kind on say you mind say you mind you're getting cast cause you chose to get this fuck started you're getting cast cause you chose to get this fuck started. yes this fuck started cause your video ain't right pretending to be black when in fact you are white nikki and diddy are your wayward little friends my birthday's just gone ain't heard from mercedes-benz <laughs> what a tune, what a fucking tune, that was, um, Pink, Get This Party Started, obviously those aren't the lyrics, and I've switched up the ly- uh, the lyrics significantly, but, um, yeah, I, as, if you don't know what that song's referring to, well, you're going to find out shortly by the time we get to "Sew so You Mad, but until we get to "Sew so You Mad, um, let's just do the things, I should move this mic a little bit closer, so I don't have to be like shouting up all over the place. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, welcome to another episode of SYM, uh, officially known as Say Your Mind, unofficially known as What What, that's right, Suck Your Mum. And this is me, Kolechi, in a blood clot place to be. Um, if you're listening for the first time, welcome. Um, if you're back again, welcome. And you know, we, we move, we go again, we go again. Thank you for all of my wonderful, wonderful birthday wishes. Um, I had the best time, absolutely best time. Got to wear my little outfits, bought myself a cute shoe from, um, Aquazura. Is it Aquazura? Yeah, yeah. got myself a cute shoe from Aquazura. Got some really, really nice, fancy presents. Um, thank you for all of your gifts. Um, I'm still going through the emails, but I think I saw something about an experience day. I got lots of, um, vouchers for massages with, uh, Pauline at Pendulum Massage. So I'm going to have the best time with that. Um got vouchers for, um, to, to get more video games, um, as well for my Nintendo Switch, so you know that is a fucking mood, I'm just so, I'm just so filled, um, with love from you all, and I greatly, greatly appreciate every single one of you that wished me a happy birthday, because it truly was, um, I didn't get my G-Wagon from Mercedes-Benz. I don't, I didn't even get a happy birthday, not from Mercedes, not from Lewis. I feel like everybody hates me over there. Meanwhile, I'm actually the one providing the championships and the wins, but you know, whatevs, whatevs. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, no, but it's been wonderful. It's been absolutely um, a wonderful Uh, birthday. I actually did get a new car though. So that, you know, that was really lovely. So my partner got me, he got me a new car. And I think that that's what's beautiful about relationships, isn't it? Like I'll be running banter on here. Like I want a G wagon. I want a G wagon. And I believe I'll still get my G wagon. I'll tell you a story about that in a bit, but I believe I'll still get my G wagon. Um, but what he heard in that was like, oh, she wants a new car. So while I can't get her the G wagon, he got me a new Merc still, Um, really, really cute. So I'll be out here cruising. Um, And you know, we just thank God. We thank God for all of the things. That was a major surprise. I wasn't expecting that at all. So I proper was just bawling my eyes out when um, he showed me the car because I was just going to go to the supermarket. And he was like, oh, I'll come with you to the supermarket. But I was like, you're going to slow me down because I need to get ready for dinner as well. Because um, we were going out to dinner, but I also wanted to go to the supermarket to get some bits for the flat before going out to dinner. He's like, "Oh no, let's take this route." I was like, "Why the fuck are we taking this route?" It's got nothing to do with the supermarket. Only for him to want to show me where he's parked the car all this time, and um, yeah, I that was a big surprise. That was a massive surprise. Um, so it was really, really lovely. It was really, really lovely um, to he- to know that someone hears what you're saying, even when you're saying other things. Um, I still want my G-Wagon, so Mercedes needs to stop fucking playing with me. What was the story I was going to tell? So I, I reached out to them and I was like, oh, do you want to give me a G-Wagon because um, I deserve? And they're like, oh, we're not really doing um, influencer collaborations right now, but we'll keep you in mind. And I said to my mum, like, fuck they will. And my mum was like, don't say that because you never know, like only speak positivity over your life, so we'll see, we'll see, somebody's going to take over in the marketing team and be like, we need to give Kelechi her G-Wagon, and also you have to have the right um, environment to have this G-Wagon, don't you, because where else, where are you going to park it on your council estate, right, so yeah, let's just wait for the things, let's wait for the things, but thank you all so much, it was amazing, Um, it was an amazing time, and I feel ever blessed, um, another year. This is my 12th house perfection year. This is going to be fun, the 12th house year. Let's see all the things that I learn, all the things that I uncover um, about myself and um, yeah, and grow and all the things I'm doing behind the scenes that hopefully we'll all be privy to this time next year. It's all you know, it's all going to be amazing. So thank you all. Anyway, is what I'm saying. I'm big up all the other people that have, um, uh, their birthday on my birthday. I'm happy to share with you all. Um, cause I'm a generous queen. Um, <laughs> no, it's equally your day too. Um, all right. So let's then get into, should we get straight into the tarot? Let me just see these notes because, you know, if I don't check these notes, I'll just be doing whatever I like. Yeah. Let's get into, no. Yeah. Let's get into the tarot. I didn't even put that in there. Let's get into the tarot. So I uh, see that you enjoyed the tarot reading for last week. Um, I think I did it. Was it the elements? I did the elements last week. Well, this week is just a straight general reading. And the first card that we've got is the son of cups, the son of cups in reverse. So this is the, I think in this deck it's the knight of cups. Yeah, this is the Knight of Cups in reverse. And then we've got the Five of Cups in reverse. We've got the Temperance card, then the Daughter of Cups, which is the Page of Cups, and then the um, Daughter of Swords, which is the Page of Swords. Um, Very interesting here. So Knight of Cups really suggests that I think this energy of like holding back, you're holding back from I've, well, I'm getting this message two ways. One, for some people, it's like you're holding back from showing affection or showing love because you've been disappointed in the past. So you're not trying to like launch into things right now because of the ways that you've been hurt before, or you might even be in a situation where maybe you are dating, but actually you're not really opening up in terms of intimacy because of all the things that have happened in the past. And this is saying that you have to let that go. Like you have to open yourself out um, and open yourself up more because the temperance card is there looking angelic looking beautiful saying that you know feel the feelings but understand that the feelings aren't in the present and you have to let the present be what it is and and show up at at its optimum and it can't do that if you're still dwelling in things that happened um in the past and you should be reaching your cup out as well daughter of cups you should be holding your cup out as well for other people to fill it just because You've been in situations previously where people weren't able to fill your cup um, or manipulated you or um, betrayed you. Doesn't mean that everyone's going to be like that. So you've kind of like thrown your cups all over the floor and um, you're looking at the ones that have spilled and you feel like this is proof that your cup will never be filled again. But there are two cups behind you that are upright, that you can, um, that can be filled, saying that you have more capacity to love, you have more capacity to to hope you just have to be open to it um and the daughter of swords is here saying that you have to you know really consider a new mindset you, who out of us hasn't experienced heartbreak fam like you experience these things and it feels like the world is ending but Naira Waheed says in one of her poems like um the world has ended for me many times before and started again in the morning you've got to consider that that your world starts again your world starts again no matter how painful it feels no matter how um bleak it might seem like oh it's never going to happen It will, and so for some people as well, it might be, um, not. we're not just talking about the romantic sense as well. It might be familial, it might be in terms of friendships, it might be career-wise. Just because you've been disappointed before does not mean that you're going to be disappointed again. And no matter how much it feels like your world is ending, remember, it will start again in the morning. Um, You've just got to be open to it rather than um, reliving and reliving um, and being in that space of trauma. Like you've got to give yourself permission to feel something different and um, give yourself permission to heal. So yeah, that was a very straightforward, very succinct message. I pray that it resonates with you. Usually my tarot readings take freaking half an hour and I've already like zoomed through them. But anyway, let's get to Magnificence. So my first Magnificence for this week goes out to uh, the cast of Hamlet at the Young Vic. I saw that, um, was it last Monday? I went to watch that was that last Monday? Yeah, it was the night before my birthday. So I went to watch Hamlet last Monday. It was really, really, it was good. It was long as fuck, but it was, it was good. Like Jonathan Ajayi, he was good in that. Um, yeah, the, everyone, everyone was, um, great. Cush Jumbo, you know, who plays Hamlet, brought a different, uh, kind of interpretation of Hamlet forward. That guy that's, um, in line of duty, that's the, is he the chief constable that says Jesus, Mary and Joseph on a donkey? Yeah, he was, uh, he was in it. He was playing Hamlet's uncle, who was fucking his, um, mum, Hamlet's mum. Um, yeah, I feel like overall, like really, really good cast. I feel like directorially, I may have made different, dis- um, like choices, but I'm not the director in it. But I just, I felt like things were missed. But I really like the acting is what I would say. Overall, I really like the acting. Um, So yeah, so that's my Share Your Magnificence. I thought that that was cool. And then who else have I got for Share Your Magnificence? oh, I read this really cool story. That's what I wanted to read to you. So uh, Tesla have been ordered to pay an employee, a former employee, a black former employee. Happy Black History Month um, in the UK. They've been ordered to pay $137 million to a black former employee for racial abuse. A California federal court ordered them to pay, um, for the company to pay this to Owen Diaz, who alleges that he faced daily racial um, abuse and it included the n-word. It says here um, he was working at a factory in Fremont. Um, He was a a former contracted elevator operator who worked at the plant between 2015 and 2016. He alleged that he was harassed and faced daily racial epithets, epithets, epithet epithets, whatever um including the n-word he also said employees drew swastikas and left racist graffiti and drawings around the plant on um monday a jury in san francisco decided they decided on my birthday look at that justice libra look at that scales um on monday a jury in san francisco sided with diaz who uh, was awarded 6.9 million dollars for in damages for emotional distress and $130 million in punitive damages. It took four long years to get to this point. Diaz told um, the newspaper, it's like a big weight has been pulled off my shoulders. Um, it's a gr- and the law civil rights law group um, that were assisting said, it's a great thing when one of the richest corporations in America has to have a reckoning of the abhorrent um, conditions of its factory for black people Uh, Diaz's lawsuit claimed that supervisors failed to stop the racial abuse. Tesla's uh, progressive image was a facade papering over its regressive, demeaning and um, treatment of African-American employees, the lawsuit stated. It was not immediately clear if Tesla would appeal, but on Monday it issued a statement attempting to downplay the case. It says, while we strongly believe that these facts don't justify the verdict reached by the jury in San Francisco and um, San Francisco, we do recognize that in 2015 and 2016, we were not perfect. Well, what do you mean you were not perfect? Cause you weren't, you were nowhere near, you were absolute trash. You were pieces of shit. Um, it goes on to say, we're still not perfect. Good. I'm glad you know. Um, she's the human resources, who said this, Valerie Capers, um, Valerie Capers Workman, who's the Tesla uh, human resources vice president. She says, but we have come a long way from five years ago. We continue to grow and improve on how we address employee concerns. Occasionally, we get it wrong. And when that happens, we should be held accountable. If um, upheld, the award would be a blow to a company that has been subject to allegations of workplace problems, but requires employees to resolve disputes through mandatory arbitration, which uh, the firm rarely loses. Of course not. So that's what I was going to say. Like they've managed to trap people in, in a way, especially after this case, managing to trap people in, in such a way that you can't actually make it to the courts. They don't want you to make it to the courts. Um, and then they'll win once they've had their discussion with you on the side. It's really, it's bullying as far as I'm concerned. Um, In May, an arbitrator ordered Tesla to pay more than $1 million over similar allegations by another former Fremont factory worker. That employee alleged that co-workers called him a racial slur and supervisors ignored his complaints. Diaz was contracted through a staffing agency and did not have to sign an arbitration agreement. My guy. Yes, Diaz. Owen Diaz, two slaps on your chest or chop their money, chop their money because we can't continue chopping abuse in this life and not getting, um, what we deserve because it's reparations. As far as I'm concerned, it's reparations. Um, and Elon Musk, his money, his money is long. His money is long from dusk Musk till dawn, his money's long, he's fine, this, it needed to be paid, like, 137 million dollars, N- nobody's gonna feel that, really, he's not really gonna feel that, but he's, I don't even know if he's paying taxes, so really, this is probably what he owed a little bit, Um, a little bit in taxes anyway, so it is what it is, like, man's trying to go to the moon, you're trying to go to the moon and the stars, I will turn it to the moon and back, to be my baby. Was that Savage Garden? I think it was. Anyway, um, Savage Garden were a mood. I really enjoyed their music. hope they're not racist. Probably are. You never know. Anyway, um, yeah. He's all trying to go to the moon and go to the stars and go to Mars and all of those things there. But how about just being on Earth and solving the racism that's um, very, very um, prevalent and rampant in your organisation? You don't want to do that, but you want to go be running up and down and doing everything else. It's just ridiculous, but he got what he got, and I'm glad that Owen Diaz got that money, um, and I hope that he spends it well. Uh, Honestly, I hope that he does what brings his heart joy. Um, So yes, that's that for Share Your Magnificence. Anyway, let me pick up with the first of this week's show sponsors who are Skillshare, Be Right, every human was born to create. So whether you last picked up a paintbrush yesterday or when you were in high school or even primary school, you can explore your creativity and be inspired. Skillshare is an online learning community that offers membership with meaning. With so much to explore, real projects to create and the support of fellow creatives, Skillshare empowers you to accomplish real growth. So you can check out their classes. I'm always like taking you through the list of classes that they do have available for people to try. Um, And one class is called Finding Fulfillment Using Pivots to Power Your Creative Career with Emma Gannon. I know Emma Gannon, quite a few of the people I follow um, like her quite a bit. So I'm sure that that class um, will be cool to try. So um, yeah, whether you're a dabbler or a pro or a hobbyist or a master, you're a creative. So discover what you can make with classes for every skill level. Experience real improvement with hands-on projects and classes designed for real life. Skillshare is also incredibly affordable, especially when compared to in-person pricey classes and workshops. So... Explore your creativity at skillshare.com forward slash straws. That's S K I L L S H A R E dot com forward slash straws and get one month free, uh, a one month free trial of premium membership. That's one month free of a premium membership at skillshare.com forward slash straws. Go and check it out. Now let's get to Sew You Mad. So this week on So You Mad, it's a bit like... There's just so much happening in the social media landscape. So when I was watching Hamlet on Monday last week... Um, Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram, all of that went down because I don't know, there was some kind of issue at Facebook. And I was thinking about them earlier when I was talking about Tesla and the idea that a lot of these like techie companies, I mean, I know Tesla is more like car manufacturing, but I feel like they're all in the same vein with what um, Elon Musk is trying to do anyway. And how everyone kind of gives, these tech bros give this idea of like, oh my God, we're so cool and progressive and we do this and we have like snooker tables and we do this and we do that. But what about the racism? I would rather not have a snooker table and address racism than have the snooker table and have to face racism every single second of the day of my employment. You know, like these are the things that people truly want, but the tech bros are not um, listening. Um, They're just tech no's. <laughs> yeah, anyway, but um, yeah, I was thinking about that, but more so, I read that Mark Zuckerberg, or a uh, Mark Zuckerberger, as Lil Boosie calls him, that makes me laugh every time it's mentioned on the read, and uh, Mark Zuckerberg net worth dropped by $7 billion on Monday. Repo- um, this was reported by Bloomberg um, as Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp dealt with outages, losing half a million dollars per hour in US ad revenue alone. His wealth is still over $120 billion, the fifth richest person on the planet. That doesn't make any sense to me. $120 billion why does somebody need that amount of money when there are people who are homeless, starving, just everything? Like, why does somebody need that amount of money? It's just wild to me. Um, yeah. And yeah, he just doesn't strike me as somebody that's really out here doing bits for the people Them, Like he's, he's, he feels like part of the problem to me. All of them do. All of them that have all of the billions, all of the white men that have all of the billions, they feel really problematic in my opinion. Um, but yeah, just thinking about that, like why are all these apps linked? Like he's buying up all of the apps. (laughs) Had Twitter been owned by them as well, that would have been out too. I just wonder how safe that is. But obviously people were letting their jokes fly once it was down. It's like, oh my God, ha, ha, ha. The influencers aren't going to make any money. The influencers aren't going to do this. The influencers aren't going to do that. I really need for some of you to sit down and um, address your contempt for influencers because I promise you it's rooted in jealousy. Even the ones that wanted, that insisted on having those um, clubhouse rooms where they were like, oh, we need to talk about influencers. Why don't you just get a job? Why don't you just get a job if you don't shut your stupid fucking mouth? right, as if it's not a job, you can't, some of you don't have the charisma to do what some of these influencers are doing, I'm not saying all the influencers, because some of them really lack charisma, some of them really lack them, but that's not the point. Like some of you could not do what they're doing. And that's part of the problem. If someone gave you a camera and a tripod right now and they said, go, you don't, you wouldn't know your eyes from your asshole. But every day you're trying to cast out influencers. Every day because you feel like the money that they're getting is um is is unfair, is undeserved. And the only reason that people are doing this is because the idea of influencing is really gendered, how people see it. They don't really go around really calling men influencers in the same way that they call women influencers, right, Um, and so the contempt is gendered, and when women, femmes, non-binary folk um, who are femme presenting, or um, um, when they find a way of earning money um, that's innovative, that's creative, suddenly everyone wants to talk down about it, oh yeah, well that's rubbish, oh yeah, we shouldn't be doing that, and obviously that I'm their example is given of like Kim Kardashian, whose um, Saturday Night Live uh, monologue was interesting, very interesting. But um, they give the example of her and it's just like, yeah, she would be the like the archetypal influencer like in that sense, but there are other people who aren't doing what she's doing in that vein. And no matter how I feel about Kim Kardashian, whether I like her or despise her, the latter, um, she gets her job done. She gets her job done when it comes to influencing. And I don't feel like I could do what she's doing because it takes a lot. It takes a lot to just be that committed to whatever facade you're presenting all of the time. But not everybody works in that vein, right? Um, So yeah, I just find it really, really like icky when I see people doing that, and I still, I don't, it's got nothing to do with anything, right? But it still even makes me think about how people behave towards Slum Flower. Yes, she said wild things in the past, but me, me personally, you're not going to hear me talking wild about her because some of the people that were talking wild about her, first of all, if you're not a black woman, fall the fuck back. Yes, you can have your critique of her, but some of you were coming with the next level of vim that I just thought, wow. that could really turn to other people, to other black women in the future and you'll feel justified and heaven forbid it ever comes towards me because I will drag, I will drag you from from one side of your lip to the other, like it will not be me but it's just that idea of the fact that like yes she could have done these things, yes you lot have a problem with her but then the way that it's being addressed it goes beyond that, it definitely goes beyond that, even Patricia Bright, again that's not somebody that I rock with really, like everyone's doing their own thing in their own corner of the internet. But I do see that the, the, the level of, um, like critique that people bring for some of the things that are done and some of them very tasteless, I must say, but some of the things I'm just like, "Mm, I, I think that this is about more than just what's happened now or you know, what's just happened generally. Um, it feels like jealousy. It feels like jealousy and people don't want to hear that word because they're like, Oh my God, I can't believe they're saying that we're jealous, but you are. It's okay to be like, rah, they're getting these things. And I don't think that they're deserving of it because I don't like them. Just admit it to yourself because that is the first path, like the first part of healing. Admit to yourself that the reason that you're feeling this energy in your chest and it's making its way through your bowels and your anus is that you don't feel like they're deserving of it because you don't like them because if it was if it was somebody that you liked and that's not even to say that the people that you like are necessarily even deserving or more deserving of um these things in comparison to the people that you don't like you just don't like them so yeah i've gone off on a tangent but my whole point was just seeing how everybody was salivating at the thought of ha 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 influencers aren't going to get money but the fact is influencers are the reasons that you you the reason that you lot keep going back to to these um to these apps and scrolling and scrolling, they're the ones that, you know, whether you realize it or not, they're the reason that you go and get a shoe, you go and get the bag, you want to do your hair a particular way, you want to wear the lashes that you're, fam, all of you are running up and down to get lip fillers, do you not think an influencer influenced you to do that? Like, they're everywhere, Jesus Christ was an influencer. okay, I'll stop now, but anyway, I feel like, no, seriously, I feel like Jesus Christ was one of the first influencers, uh, and that's why everyone's a Christian, or, you know, not everyone's a Christian, but, you know, like, why lots of people are Christians, basically, you know, he set the vibe, he set the trend, and everybody was on it, you know, um, and he says, use my promo code G-O-D to get into heaven. And um, and people were like, yeah, I, I like the idea of that. You know, he was brought PR gifts when he was born, you know, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Okay, I'll stop now before I get smited. But you get my point, right? So let's just be clear and leave influencers alone, honestly. Unless they're doing something extremely irresponsible, it's very, very easy for you to mind your business or not follow them and just do what you're doing. Anyway talking, um, of influencers actually, um, after the, um, social media outage. And another point I wanted to make is that social media and these, um, influencers were the reason that some of you were even able to feel sane and to, uh, and to feel sane and seen during the lockdown because they were creating con- um, content in their homes in their you know, and in their bedrooms, you had things to watch to keep you going. But now suddenly when brands are paying them, it's like, oh no, no, these influencers, rah, 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 rah. The fact of the matter is, it's not just influencers that are going to lose money or that would lose money if these things shut down. You also would not have any entertainment. So consider that as well. Like you'll feel like, yeah, well, I've got my Netflix, I've got this, but you still want to see people's reactions. You still want to see what the people that um, have these platforms platforms. platforms, what they're saying and how they make use of these things creatively. So stop pretending like you don't appreciate what's going on there. It's really quite sad and pathetic to see. But also for those people who may, um, have been, um, at risk of losing, um, their fan base or whatever, if these things were to go down, I keep saying, you need to find a way to redirect your audience, like, I've got a podcast, I'm all right, um, I've got a, you know, um, what is it, that mailing, mailers list or whatever, um, the mailing list, I've got that set up on my website, subscribers, I've got my Patreon, um, I can track the analytics in one way or another for the listeners that I have, you know, in terms of, like, numbers and things like that, but you want people's, you know, for people to physically sign up in two things, so that's why I have the subscribers list on my website as well, things like that, like, you've got to have a way to be able to contact your, like, for instance, that's my point, that's where I'm going with this when I'm talking about the podcast, right, if something were to happen to my page or whatever, I know that I can jump on this, record a podcast, send it out and still, you know, get access to my um, people in one way or another. If you don't have another way of getting in contact with your, um, with the people who follow you or who are part of your like community, you don't have a way to do that. You should really be considering what way can you do that? So it's best to get people to sign up to a mailing list. So should anything happen, you've got that database right there. And I think a lot of people maybe aren't doing that. So yeah, definitely consider that. But in regards to um, influencers, I saw something else that I found really interesting. Uh, where was it? When did that happen? Uh, was it this one? No, it wasn't that one. Ooh, so many things have happened. It feels like the longest week ever. Um, this was a tweet by Latif Saka. It's got 49,000 likes. Jesus. Um, Latif is an influencer, a male influencer, actually. Um, he does finance, skincare, travel, and he's been featured in lots of places and, um, very, um, well-established and well-read from what I can see on his page. He says here, so a PR agency forgot to take me off an email. They proceed to call me arrogant and unprofessional. They also said, doesn't he know everyone in the industry talks? All I said was, one, I don't work for free, and two, I don't want to collaborate on any Black History Month events. A lot of people in PR use their position, their network, to intimidate and coerce others, especially Black content creators everyone in PR talks. Okay, and what again? Shall I bow down to you or what? I'm definitely talking from a point of financial privilege that many do not have. A lot of creators experience this rubbish and can never speak out because they feel it may impact future opportunities. Imagine Black History Month and this is the rubbish you're doing. This is why I don't go to events, laugh with them, and stay declining most ads because all these PR people, especially white women, oh speak it, really be moving mad. They think they're doing you a favor. I can't begin to imagine what financial strap, financially strapped creators having to deal with, um, are having to deal with. Um, I normally wouldn't bring this stuff up. It's nothing new. Black creators be chopping multiple L's over and over again, but I couldn't believe the audacity because a week before I found out the same agency short paid me versus a white creator with less than half of my engagement. Um, Somebody asked him, "Did you did you let them know you're still copied in?" And Latif said, "They know because their recall failed." I screamed. Imagine realizing that oop, you sent it to the person that you're cussing out, and you're trying to recall the email. Do not recall it, baby. Do not. Every time I try to leave, something keeps pulling me back. Me back. You can't pull this one back, baby. It's been sent out. I'm so sorry, Latif, that that happened to you. I don't even think Latif listens to the podcast, but. I'm so sorry that that happened to you, um, and I like the word creator, as opposed to influencer, actually, um, because literally, these are people creating content in various ways that people are chopping up and down, and they don't want to, um, accept it, and I'm, yeah, And I, yeah, so I like that term, but also I totally resonate with that. I, it resonates when we're talking about PR companies who reach out and they truly think that you should be grateful that they're reaching out. But the thing is, you know, the platform that I have already, and you know how beneficial it would be for you. And this is literally what I was saying, what is it a few weeks ago, even when I was talking about the Grand Prix, I'm, I'm a valuable somebody. Do you get me? I'm a very valuable somebody. So if I'm coming in your midst and saying that you need me to help you with this, and it's like, mm, yeah, but we've got all of these people um, with millions of followers. And you know, if they just post a picture, that's enough. It's not enough because you're not driving any conversation whatsoever with what you're doing right now. Do you want to do it properly or do you not? And the answer I feel like I'm, I'm, like I'm sensing is not really. A lot of brands don't want to change. They just want to give the appearance of of change, so they don't get dragged, um, and when they are communicating with you, there's very much this energy of, like, you should be grateful, you should be grateful that they're even speaking to you in in the first place, no, you should be grateful that I'm even entertaining you, you should be grateful that I'm allowing you to be in the midst, to be in the midst of greatness, because that's what I am, like, are you all right, and it's the payment thing that really, really gets me, like, a white creator with half the engagement, like fam, I really, really deep that sometimes. Like if we're talking about engagement and i and I've mentioned this on a podcast before, my engagement rate is fucking mad. It is fucking through the roof. I'm looking at some people who have millions of followers and, and some, most of them real, right? Cause I know that people buy millions of followers and some of them are fake or a lot of them are fake. Um, But we're talking about people who have real followers And I'm looking at the views that you're getting on your videos Compared to the views that I'm getting on my videos And we're not far off We're not far off mate So that goes to show like the people Them are riding for me And you're now wanting to base it on the follower count as opposed to the engagement count, even when that has been made clear to you that that that's not what you should be doing. Like you'd rather chase people with millions of followers and be like, oh yeah, well, if they do one post for us, that'll be fine. But people know that they're not even enjoying what they've posted about, so they don't believe them. But me here, passionate about the thing, and you're giving me any sort of like reluctance. Mm -mm. Even Mercedes, just give me the G-Wagon. I don't know what we're arguing about. But back to Latif, it is that idea of like, what you, what do you mean you don't want to do Black History Month? Everyone wants to do Black History Month, you blackie, you fucking nigg nog. Why don't you want to do it? they really struggle to, to to comprehend that black people can have boundaries and they can have likes and dislikes. And it's not everything that you bring us that we'll want. Like brands are definitely thrown off when I don't respond to certain things or I do respond. And I'm like, oh, actually, I don't think that this is suited to me at this time because they really think that you should be doing any and everything. And I'm so picky about who I collaborate with um, now because I don't want headaches. I do not want headaches. And they realize after I'm, I give them that madness back and forth that I'm not the one to be playing with. So yeah, I really empathize with that and it's hurtful to see because as much as like Latif was saying it and he was sharing this experience, you can, I still feel like I can feel the hurt there. Like, why can't we have boundaries? Why can't we just say that we don't want to do these things? Um, Oh, because and and people will say they're not racist and they've posted the black square and they work with black influencers. So that makes them not racist. But how do you treat the black influencers or the creators that you work with? How do you treat them? How do you treat your black employees? Everyone's doing this whole. Oh, look how progressive we are. I'm even going to get on to when I get to start your motors about Formula One posting um, um, a little segment about Black History Month uh, w- during the televised um, Turkish Grand Prix. And I just feel like that could have been so much better than it was. But the fact that people are so happy with the, the with the minimum because the bar was in hell before, they'll accept the bare minimum. Some people are like, oh, I thought it was great. I thought it was good. And like, yeah, well, we have different standards. You know, we have very different standards. But I'll get to that. I just feel like if you work in PR look at how you're treating black influencers, pay them properly, definitely pay them properly and stop wasting people's time is the only thing that you need to do. But I'm glad if you decided to name and shame the company would have been happy to drag them because it's just ridiculous at this point And it's so exhausting. It's so freaking tiring. Um, so let's get on to the real nitty gritty of, um, today. So you mad Jesse Nelson. Woo, woo, woo. Jesse Nelson that likes bad boys. Now, I must say... I must preface this by saying that I've re- refused to listen to the song in its entirety and I've also refused to watch the video really in its entirety because I've seen most of the stills and they've made my toes curl. So I feel like that is enough for me. So Jesse Nelson used to be um, a former member um, or was a former member of the girl group or the girl band Little Mix uh, who were formed, was it on um, X Factor? Was it X Factor? They were formed on there. One of the shows, they were formed there while Misha B was um, described as a bully because she was dark-skinned black woman, treated anyone, while that girl, what is it, Tulip or Tesla? No, is it Tulissa? That would say, oh, I can't be racist because I actually grew up somewhere in Africa. So basically your um, parents were um, colonizers. Anyway, um, so all of that was happening. They catapulted to fame from being, um, on this show, um, on this, you know, talent show, and they became a global success as, um, the four of them, right, they were four of them, but Jesse then left, I mean, I don't keep up with all of these pop bands, but Jesse left the group citing mental health issues, and so the rest of them continued, um, Leanne, I'm gonna even pretend like I know their names, and um, was it, um, Perry, and was the other one Jade I maybe made that up i I really don't know let me even look it up because I'm just making things up. I do not know these girls like that um so they've made but black magic that was a tune that was an absolute um that was an absolute tune um yeah so there yeah there were four of them, and what's their names? what are their names Jesse oh look I got it right oh my God I'm really surprised because I do not pay attention to them like that so they, um, yes, and it was X Factor in 2011. So they've been around for 10 years. My God, my God. Um, so they've been doing their things, making their, um, you know, their songs and whatever. And Jessie left the group, um, upon leaving the group, um, she started talking about the fact that it really mentally weighed on her, the way that people would make fun of her weight and, um, how she looked different to the other girls in the group. And she's now re- uh, released her debut single, which is called "Boys" with a Z, from what I understand. And it features uh, P Diddy and Nicki Minaj. Now, in the video, the video is very, very unsettling. Like from the st- from the stills of the images that I've seen, the it's very yeah, very, very unsettling because she's wearing a lot of fake tan, and they've very much given her a very um, deep wave um, wig to place on her head, she goes through various wigs and she even has a sort of Christina Aguilera dirty uh, sort of wig, you know, that one with the um, almost ice white blonde with some black streaks and then braids just kind of like scattered in there as well. Um, So yeah, she was doing all of that in the video. She even has a bikini that's got a Union Jack on it. And then she's got a bandana that's also made of a Union Jack. Um, very much blackfishing, very much giving blackfish in this situation. Um, yeah, very much so. So rightfully so, people were like, wait, what is, what is, um what is this, Jessie? What is Jessie's ethnicity? And people were like, well, she is a white woman, your honor. She, that woman is her white. She is her white. She's a white woman and she's wearing all of this tan, like tan, to clearly almost mixed race fish you know? And this is where we've gotten to with the likes of Kim Kardashian. When I talk about the power, the impact of her influencing um, nature, this is where she's got everybody to. Where I remember one time she was like, oh um, guys, I'm so sorry. My hands are so pale. Then no, your hands aren't so pale. Your hands are actually just the color that you are. But because you immerse yourself and you drench yourself in fake tan, you've come to believe that you are brown. You are not Armenian girl you're not. So it's, yeah, it's just extremely wild to see that a lot of people going for this very same aesthetic. Um, so yeah, so she's done all of this talking about, she likes bad boys and, um, riding in the low riders and dry, like riding these kind of like bikes and, um, yeah, being surrounded by all of these like muscular quote unquote hood guys It's so sickening. It's so sickening to see. And everyone goes through this phase, don't they? All of these white artists, all of these white pop singers go through this phase. And the thing is, they make a lot of money from it as well. Miley Cyrus did it. Uh, Christina Aguilera did it pink did it, like for everyone to emerge, for them to emerge as they're, you know, showing you that they're going solo and they're doing their thing, they all try to do this hood thing, what do you know about the hood baby, what do you know, look at your previous boyfriends, what do you know about anything, but they cosplay, they cosplay as this hood blackness, um, as a way of kind of re reasserting or reinstating themselves into the kind of, um, industry, um, or like reintroducing themselves into the industry as I'm grown and I'm separate from that. And this is me being a bad girl. Like you left the um the girl group, um, little mix up and blend blend. You left there because you were like, you cited hate for, um the hatred that you were getting for the reason that you left. So why would you then go and court more hate as a solo artist? But she genuinely doesn't care. Why? Because people like Nicki Minaj and P Diddy are co-signing this fuckery. But then you want to turn around and be like, oh, black people, black people, black liberation, black this, black that. A lot of black celebrities, especially ones that have millions, are just talking. Everyone is just talking. Like I'm yet to see, and I'm saying this very, very intentionally, I'm yet to see one black person, black celebrity that has millions of dollars or pounds that speaks about this kind of like racial equality and black rights and this and that that truly follows through in their actions. Because some people will say black rights, this, that, they have millions, they'll, they'll wear the t-shirt, they'll take a knee, but ask them how many black women that they work with in close proximity. Ask them how many black women they're willing to, um, collaborate with on a, on a personal level to actually achieve things. Not really. They're likely to go more towards other black men or, um, yeah, go towards other black men or be surrounded by white people or specifically white women, like they would rather do that. So I don't believe in the work that you're doing wholeheartedly because I see how much you try to avoid working with black women closely or promoting publicly that, boom, I'm working with a a black woman in this capacity. So then when I look at people like Nicki Minaj and, and P Diddy, I'm thinking like, You lot come time and time again to co sign the most problematic people, maybe because you are problematic yourself. The reason that Diddy will be there is because the sample that they're using in her song is, We ain't going nowhere. Hey, we ain't going. Please go somewhere. Please go somewhere and stay there because it's bad, boys, for life. These are bad choices for life. Yeah, bad choices for life. We don't need any more. Stop. Stop it. And like Nikki, I mean, she's still there talking, you know, dealing with um, vaccine um, stories and and her cousin's friend's ball bags that are dragging along the streets of Trinidad. So she's got more things to worry about. She's got her husband to be worrying about. So the cosign is very, very somehow. But, you know, do you, baby, do what you're doing. But I just think that the whole, thing's ju- the whole thing just feels icky. It was the same with um, T.I. and Iggy Azalea. Like, you'll keep... Um, co-signing these very problematic girls and giving them the currency, the social currency that they need to be able to move through the industry and move through life thinking that they're about something until they get slapped up. And you'll be held accountable for that should that happen. But this is cosplay and it's not even Halloween. Like it's, it's a, it's really weird. It's really, really, really weird how time and time again for profit, um, people will, and white women, white people will move themselves in close proximity to black women specifically, because look at who a lot of these girls are emulating, it's black women, but they don't want to be dark like black women in that sense, um, they want to be just that sort of like racial ambiguity, giving you tan, giving you this, because that also then means that people are very, very aware of colorism, they know that they don't want to be too dark, They know that they don't want to be too dark, but they want to give you a specific type of aesthetic that was actually made popular by darker-skinned black women but everyone just wants to teeter on the edge of it get the profits from it and then scuttle away. I won't be surprised if then six years down the line, she's like, oh, I want to bring forward my true self. I got lost in the midst of everything and the industry wasn't good for me, but this is me emerging as me. And like Miley, she starts releasing country music. It's really sad. I went out of curiosity. I went to go and look on her Instagram stories. This is Jessie Nelson. I went and looked on her Instagram stories. And I see her singing along to Essence by Wizkid and Burner Boy. She's at a club and she's sticking her tongue out constantly. And I really want to understand why white girls think that when they're being sexy and bad, they need to stick their tongue out. When last did you brush your tongue, baby? When last did you brush that tongue and you're sticking it out up and down, up and down? It's giving halitosis, it's giving gingivitis. Put your tongue back in your mouth. Thank you so much. but then that's not where the mess ended. So um, everyone's cussing Jessie now. Well, a lot of people are cussing Jessie, but at the end of the day, she still ended up number one, didn't she? I think she's number one in um, of quite a few countries um, since the release of um, this song. So everyone's, you know, sharing their opinions. Her fans are coming out trying to support her and stand up for her or whatever. And um, only for this guy, I think, what did, what's his name? I was looking at his name earlier, Nohan, some, um, he's from Birmingham, right? Um, he's a Little Mix fan and some kind of, is he an influencer? I don't know. He's some Little Mix fan anyway. Um, and he's screenshotted and his battery's very low as well. That really concerns me. His battery's so low yet he's involved in this little mix up and blend blend. Like his battery's very low, Anyway, he takes screenshots of um, a DM conversation that he's having with Leanne Pinnock. And he says to her, I'm a diehard Little Mix fan. Everybody knows it. No, that wasn't even the beginning of it. So he posted a video dancing to um, Jesse Nelson's n- re- newly released um, Abomination. So he's dancing to the, um, to the Abomination, right? And then she, um, Leanne DMs him and puts no. He says, oh, should I make a dance routine for boys? That's what he posted in his Insta stories. Yes, no. And Leanne DMs him and puts a no and an emoji. And he says, OMG, Leanne, I thought you were all okay. What the fuck? And he said, and she says, do a video about her being a blackfish instead. And she puts a wonky face emoji. And he says, I'm low key hurt. And she says, Oh, she blocked us, cut us off. But that's interesting because then somebody's like, Oh, but then you all followed, you all unfollowed her together on the same day. I don't know what's going on there. And he said, I'm a diehard Little Mix fan. Everyone knows it. Um, and she says, no one knows anything. You're right to not trust the papers. This time they were right. It's really sad. Um, and he says to her, do you want me to remove the dancing video? I will take it down if you want. And then he sends her three voice notes. And she says, it's up to you, babe. I'm just raging today. Now, I just need to make it clear that I'm on nobody's side. I'm on nobody's side because I remember the very weird messages I started getting when I was even critiquing the um documentary that Leanne was fronting about racism and how it kind of just like lightly covered colorism. From what I've heard, it was fairly decent as an overall um documentary. Like it didn't delve deep and she just did what she needed to do um, with her boyfriend or partner who made his colorist comments um in the past, quote unquote. Um, so I'm still not all the way, she's not curling all the way over for me. I've got to be honest. I know that she's been on other shows that I enjoy. She's not curling all the way over for me because now seeing this message, it almost confirms what I was thinking that she was, might have been, might have been probably, who knows? Those messages just seemed very, very fiery and they seemed very, very much so like somebody coming from her camp and, um, yeah, and, and Rochelle's camp, and I, yeah, it just made me extremely uncomfortable, so to know that somebody could be DMing one of their fans to be like, oh, make a video of her being a blackfish instead, I just think that that's highly unprofessional, like, there, there are no good people on either side of this, is basically what I'm saying, some people are like, oh, why did Nohan post that, because he's choosing the wrong side, no, actually, neither of the sides are good to be on at all, neither of them, because I still have my feelings about that documentary, I still do, I still have my feelings about the dynamics around that documentary, and the one that Rochelle was involved with, I still have my feelings around that, and I'm not denying that they should be able to share their experiences of racism, I just think it's interesting to be, to do another document. and I've said this before, it feels like I'm going over it again, but you were on a whole last documentary with your parents talking about they don't see race, and they feel, they feel like people have got a chip on their shoulder, the things that they were saying, is not p- things that people, um, they're not things that people just unlearn at the, um, flick of the switch, like that is deeply ingrained and thus deeply ingrained within you. And so, when people are now rightfully saying that it's interesting, the things that the, um, these networks like BBC Channel 4, the things that they will commission, but a darker skinned black woman wants to talk about the same things and they're not getting greenlit to have these conversations. Those are things that people can rightly critique. So, to then have people randomly, all of a sudden, coming from burner accounts, sending the most vile abuse just seems very, very fishy to me. So to then see these DMs about, oh, you should have made a video about her being a blackfish instead. I just think it's a bit, it smells, everything smells. Jesse's fucking, um, video is a mess and the song, everything's a mess. This DMs or these DMs are a mess as well. And I don't necessarily, I'm not really blaming him for, um, screenshotting and sharing them. Although I did find it hilarious that he was like, I do not give permission for anybody to share these images, but you are sharing images of um, DMs that were sent to you in confidence as well. So whew, everybody's mad. Everybody is mad. A mix up of madness. Um, telling her, telling him to make a video of, um, telling him to make a video of, um, what is it her being a blackfish instead this is somebody this uh, in terms of um Jesse, she cited like having all these mental health things happening before so she might just be putting up a good front right now that she doesn't care that she's been casting all of that stuff for making this video and um being disrespectful um, in terms of the aesthetic that she's decided she and her team have decided to go for So telling him to make a video about her being a blackfish is almost inciting more, um, dragging to go in her direction. And again, I'm going to come back to jealousy, right? Why is it such a big deal to you specifically that she's doing this? Is it because she's now got an old number one on her own? Could it be that? I don't know. Maybe it's not, but I just think it's interesting. Like if her now, if the song was, um, I don't know, number 500 in the charts, would you care as much? But is there something about the fact that she's doing all of this? She had the audacity to leave the group, not chat to none of you, come out looking like, um, um, a poor man's, um, Kim Kardashian. And then, um, then she's, you know, then she's gotten this number one, like, tell the truth. Like, what is the issue? because actually the more that you talk about her, the more that people are going to go and listen to the song and hype her up. We know that. She's got heavy hitters like Diddy and um, Nikki on the track. Like she's going to get listens. So is that also part of it? Like she's managing to get a number one without the group and everyone thought she was going to flop on her own. I mean, she is a flop still, you know, because we have to look at longevity and it's not sometimes quantity when these things are concerned, it's quality. And people don't respect you. So you can have the number one if you want to, but people don't really respect you can you see how I'm doing the double dragon? Can you see how I'm going from one person to the other? So all I'm really saying is that yeah, I think that the whole whole thing smells, and I don't approve of um, the DM about go and make her video of her being a blackfish or or um, Jesse's video. I think that everybody's wrong, and I feel like that is me showing up as my Libra self. Like this is my season, and also Scorpio season. also my season. But this is me showing up as my Libra self. I don't see right on either side. I think that everybody, I literally think everybody's mad in this situation from Nohan to Leanne to um, Jesse. I think everybody is wild in this situation. And people were like, how dare Jessie dress up? I'm sorry. Yeah. How dare Jessie dress up like this? And she didn't even say anything during the uh, Black Lives Matter protest or anything like that. Of course she wouldn't. Of course she wouldn't. Why would she? Why would she when people just have access to black things all of the time? And she even said in one of her quotes when she was um, asked about the black and um, backlash, she was like, "Oh, but I like black culture and I like black uh, black music." But notice she didn't say that she likes black people, and that's with what happens with a lot of these people. They like the things derived from blackness, but they don't actually like black people, and. I'm not surprised that she didn't post the black square, but then there are people who posted black squares and they're cunts. So where, you know, like there's no winning at any of this. In fact, you know, some of the most wayward people, mother of demons, as I called her in that episode, her husband, he posted a black square talking about Black Lives Matter and he has a resource circle um, or highlight on his page. But your wife was out there trolling um, uh, like uh, um, another black mother online because she had the cheek to also be building a platform as an influencer at the time, at the time. So there's so much going on here that I don't trust anybody. I feel like everybody's mad, and these DMs between Nohan and Leanne are wild, um and Jessie's wild for her stupid video and her stupid song, and P. Diddy and Nicki Minaj are disrespectful, but what do you expect from them? Everybody's just thinking, oh, secure the bag, secure the bag. When will you secure your integrity? When will you secure your sense of self? Gosh, this is disgusting. And the worst part of it is that then Nicki Minaj has said that she's going to go on Instagram live at 8 p.m. with Leanne, not Leanne, with Jessie, to discuss black fishing what are the bo- what are either of you going to discuss you need to be worrying about them overinflated ball bags in trinidad you don't have any business discussing anything with anybody nikki you don't and again this is how you end up like co-signing these people and she's the same one that was talking about oh um well what's it white women were white women or whatever she said about the woman who was a um accusing uh petty her husband of, of of um sexual assault you know so you're happy to weaponize white womanhood then when it serves you because you want to send your your fans to go and attack this woman but this is enough this is literally a white woman the one that you were talking about wasn't even a white woman but this is literally a white woman here that you are co-signing for this fuckery because you want the song to sell you see that controversy sells it also redirects the attention from your rapey husband if we focus on Jesse, we take the um, attention away from your rapey husband. Wow. You see what I'm saying? How the world is fucked. Hmm. Let me not, let me not speak too much. But basically my conclusion is in this whole, um, situation of, um, little mix up and blend blend. Um, there are no, there are no angels. There are no angels whatsoever. None. I think everybody is moving mad. Um, So yeah, let's get to a letter. Let's do a letter and then I will jump to motors and then um, straw of the week. I think that that's fair to break all of this up. Um, Oh, where's that letter? Here we go. It says here, Ben's Ponani Womanist Thoughts on Submission. Dear, my dearest Kalechi, when I came across your voice and work a few years ago while you were featured on another platform, I was immediately captivated by you. Who would know nearly three years later, you would be a part of my weekly routine. You have been a huge part of my journey towards figuring out how to navigate this world as a first generation West African woman in New York City. Whoop, whoop. Actually, I was going to say that my outside of um, London, my biggest listenership is in New York City. So can't wait to do a live show, um, live show there soon. Don't know when, but we must make it happen. Um, back to this. Um, where do we start? Figuring out how to navigate this world as a first generation West African woman in New York City, who for most of um, her life has been deemed too radical or too rebellious. As a fellow dickhead in recovery, you've taught me that shrinking oneself into bite-sized pieces so that we could be more digestible and, digestible and acceptable is a waste of fucking time. Two slaps on your chest for being such a pioneer. Thank you. After a 14 hour day, I was scrolling through TikTok when I stumbled across this video, which I've linked below. I would like to submit it for So You Mad. Not so much to come at the woman in the video, but to talk more broadly about this wave of African girl bosshood that has multiple generations of African women and girls in a chokehold. As someone raised in Islam, I know far too well about the expectation for women to submit to the men in their lives. I mean it from the depths of my soul when I say fuck that. But what's troubling about this narrative surrounding women who attain some support of independence via um, academia and or the workplace is that it fails to actualize and analyze and deconstruct power dynamics. African women and more generally black women and girls across the diaspora continue to be brutalized by the men in their lives. And instead of fighting to end patriarchal violence, women and girls are being told to go out, secure a bag, but they better come home and submit to their husbands. To say that submission is a form of power is one, straight fuckery, and two, extremely dangerous when the power dynamics continue to be so skewed to favor men. As someone who is in in a deeply committed relationship with an African man, I'd love for the conversation to move beyond this BS narrative about submission and actually center the ways that we can have balanced, affirming, and fulfilling relationships that meet our deepest needs and desires. And because I'm a dickhead in recovery, I cannot close off without saying how wild it is that the girls are talking about submission submission to the same motherfuckers who can't even bless them with an orgasm every now and again. How silly. Wanted to keep it short and concise. Thanks for reading. Much love to you and yours. Can't wait um, to see you rolling in your G-Wagon. Oh, thank you so much. Um, yeah, I saw the TikTok video. Um, what I find interesting is that whole thing about submission. I think that everybody has their mind, right. Um, when it comes to black women, I can listen to them for, to to quite a few of them up until the point where you have to discuss marriage to assist gender to heterosexual man. Suddenly nobody knows which way is up. Um, Everyone's trying to redesign or redress um, submission to make it fit them, to to make it comfortable so they don't have to um, extricate themselves of that fuckery too. The fact of the matter is, when we talk about marriage in a traditional sense it is the sale of a woman. Like you are being sold to belong to a man. Hence you take his last name um, the same way. Well, not the same way, but I would say a, um, a, a dynamic that bears a tiny similarity to slavery where you were sold to the slave master and you took the slave master's last name. Um, and then that name carries on for generations and generations and you belong to that person. Now, again, that is a massive conflation. But what I'm trying to say is that the dynamic in terms of white supremacist, um, heteropatriarchy is also prevalent there. Like every, everything is linked under that basically. So now we're looking at marriage. Um, even when people, I was watching High Life, which I thought was really lovely. I'm going off on a tangent again, Lord, help your child. I was watching High Life and I really enjoyed it. I, as you know, Tony, I think Tony's wonderful. Um, I followed her for a while. We followed each other for a while. I think she's great. Um, but my actual favorite in that series, um, was her brother, Tommy, um, Tommy. Yeah. I really liked him. I really liked how open and vulnerable he was about his mental health challenges. And, um, he just seems like a really nice guy. I I just, I just think he's lovely. He just gave me lovely vibes. He was my favorite on the show. Um, definitely. Um, So, yeah, I remember watching his wedding and when they were doing the Yoruba, um, you know, uh, traditional wedding part where, you know, the letter of intentions read. And also usually that's when it will be debated about the bride price. But you are being sold off into your husband's home. And People talk about it being romantic, but I don't know what's romantic about it. Like, if you, if you start with that basis, if you start on the basis that you are being sold to a man, where, when, if you do the traditional wedding, that is what's happening you are being sold to a man and then you you then belong to him and then you take his last name and all of that stuff. How can you then not be submissive? Because that is how the dynamic started. So I actually think it's more about looking at the ways you go about still having your wedding if you want it, but looking at the things that energetically you're actually already putting into your relationship as a foundation. That means that the power dynamics are already skewed. Why can this not be an egalitarian? Why can this not be an equity? agreement, why must it be one person has power to do this and one person um, and the other person just follows along, I know that a lot of African mums will sometimes say to you, oh yes, even though the man is the head of the house, the woman is the neck, anything to make you feel comfortable about the fact that um, you're being controlled, and yeah, yeah, you might feel like you have some subversive power, but not really, because if he starts to, decides to start licking you up and down and dashing you on walls, or decides to throw you out of the yard, like, where's your power then? You know? So it's, it's, it's looking at these things and the cognitive dissonance, I think that takes place. It's, if we're talking about submission, what I think that what, when people talk about, oh, but submission can be two ways. Then what you're talking about is vulnerability. Yeah. We can both be vulnerable with each other. And choose to be dedicated and committed to the partnership. But usually when we're talking about submission, we're talking about one person handing over their, their, um, autonomy. And usually that is what's asked of women in, um, heterosexual, um, partnerships or marriages. That is what's being asked of them especially ones that are derived from Abrahamic religions um, or convoluted with them um, due to colonization. I'm really going off on one here, but I just feel like I don't like the whole term about submission or whatever. Um, I do feel like it's important to be vulnerable in with a partner in order to allow for intimacy, um, but that is a two-way street. You both do that with each other. So if the word that you wanna use that is um, submission, well, then that's a two-way thing, but it's definitely not, oh, you can empower yourself by submitting to your husband because you've been high powered outside. None of it actually makes sense. I don't think anyone really knows what they're talking about. But again, I don't tend to go too much into my um, personal life and my relationship, but I do sometimes find myself looking at what everybody else is doing and thinking, wow, that's wild still. Um, because whatever things that I might, you know, whatever day-to-day things that you find that you work through in relationships, it, for me, it greatly differs to what I'm seeing everybody else going through, basically, because that was not my setup at all, um, from the beginning of the relationship to where we are, um, yeah, I, I, I don't understand what you're talking about when you come to, when it comes to submission. And I just feel a little bit sad for people who were like, yeah, upon all the things that I've learned, I do think I want to submit. And I do think that this and that, this and that, because it means that everything that you've taken in hasn't really hit. It hasn't really found that crevice within you or that space within you to sit and to flourish. But I hope you will get there eventually, um, one day I do. Um, so yeah, I feel like that's that for So You Mad. So we'll jump into... Um, should we jump into Start Your Motors? I think so. But before jumping, yeah, before jumping into um, Start Your Motors, I'll big up the second of this week's show sponsors who are BetterHelp. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp is there something interfering with your happiness? Um, like seeing your former band member getting number one singles and, or a number one single and you thinking that they're not deserving of it because they're cosplaying as a black woman. Well, well, You know, that might be preventing you from achieving your goals of um, mindfulness and being serene and facing your front. So, um, BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line, it's not self help. It is professional therapy done securely online. There is a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account at any time and send a message to your therapist. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change therapists if needed, like in case you're not feeling their vibe or wherever. So, um, BetterHelp basically wants you to start living a happier life today. So visit BetterHelp, that's betterhelp.com forward slash your mind, that's betterhelp.com forward slash your mind and join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Um, Special offer for Say Your Mind listeners means that you get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash your mind. So basically, yeah, go and get into it and enjoy. Let's get to start your motors. So, uh, yesterday was the Turkish Grand Prix. Um, very interesting race for start your motors. Um, I don't know. I don't feel like I have a lot to say about it. I don't know. There's something about, I feel like, first of all, I'll start with the fact that what really um made me unsettled was the Black History Month seg- uh, segment that was done on Sky News. So basically if I'm not at the Grand Prix, <laughs> what I'm usually doing is watching the um, race through Now TV. Um, I buy a one day pass through um, Sky Sports or for Sky Sports. So it's like $9.99 for the day so I can watch the whole race, um, yeah, so, so I, that means I watch it before the people who end up watching it on channel 4, basically, so, um, some people are like, oh, I have to dodge your tweets because I've got to watch it on channel 4, um, so I'm gonna tweet, you know, I'm gonna tweet, I paid my 9.99, I'm gonna tweet, okay, um, yeah, I, they, so on Sky News, they did the Black History Month. I don't know if they, they also showed it on Channel 4, but they did a Black History Month segment. And so Lewis is speaking, Sebastian Vettel is speaking. And Sebastian Vettel made the most sense. Not that Lewis didn't make sense, but I feel like he made the most sense out of everybody because he said something like, if we don't um, address these inequalities that are happening now, there is the likelihood that we'll repeat them again. I mean, I do want to tell him that they haven't stopped. Like we are repeating them as we speak. But I feel like he got the essence. Essence. I know man, 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 need you, man, I need you. Now. Sorry, I have to do that every time I say the word. So I feel like he got it. He got what the um the premise was. So Lewis is at Mercedes, he's saying what he needs to say. I don't know if I saw Sebastian Vett. no, I saw him, I saw um Daniel Ricciardo. Did I see Bottas? maybe, because I'm sure Mercedes would have made everybody speak, they're like, "Uh -uh, you will not come and disgrace us, everybody outside now, so, um, he, they, he spoke, um, Sebastian Vettel spoke, Daniel Ricciardo spoke, so Daniel Ricciardo drives for McLaren, so he spoke, um, And then for Red Bull, they sent this mixed race guy that is, I think he's one of the mechanics, one of the engineers. They sent him to speak. And um, from Mercedes, there was another person. But I just think like Stephanie Travers, she's a black woman that um, works at Mercedes as one of the engineers. She, or is she a strategist? I think she's an engineer. She's an engineer. Um, So she was not in it. And again, I find that really, really interesting in terms of when we're talking about racial equality and um, or racial inequality, why do black women keep consistently being left out of the conversation? And when it comes to these mainstream narratives, like it's really weird. Um, Or maybe they just did an edited down version, but clearly they don't have anyone that they're consulting with that could have been like, oh, this would work well and this wouldn't work well. So I don't know how many more ways to tell Formula One that, fam, you need me, because, we, but you might be like, oh, well, it's just a month, and we did well enough, and I think that that's part of the problem, because the sport is so elitist, and it's so um, dominated, because it's literally owned by rich, super rich white men, it's like, fam, we've done enough, we could just not acknowledge you, and I also hate the way that the commentators, the reporters, nobody has been briefed, like, you lot need to book a workshop with me, because, Clearly nobody's been briefed on how to go about talking about these things because they keep talking about, oh, well, F1's done really well to have um, Lewis as an ambassador um, for um, racial equality or fighting for equality. And they've also gone and mixed it up as well with sustainability. I'm not saying that sustainability isn't an important subject, but it's the way that people are so uncomfortable with just addressing racism on its own that they have to now add everything else on top of that it's like, oh, we're fighting for this too and fighting for that too because someone's clearly gone, well, if it's about race, why can't we talk about this? And why can't we talk about this? Because if you address racism, I think that you'd find that other things also get resolved, but whatever, do you win it. But they talk about Lewis as if he's like this ambassador for equality when it comes to the sport. No, he's a victim. He's, he's, he's been subjected to the violence that you lot are doing. He has no choice but to speak out for himself. And yes, maybe now he's taken a more, um, kind of like, uh, a a, a more assertive role within it, and he's saying like, this is what I'm going to do, and and more self-actualized role, but to talk like, oh yeah, you know, it's a great look for F1, because, you know, this is happening, and they're supporting it, no, you've never supported it, never ever, you're not even really supporting it right now, if we deep it, just a few weeks ago, um, Verstappen had his tire on the guy's fucking helmet, on his head, and you lot were like, oh well, you know, let's just move past it, like, it is so scary. It is so scary to just see how people move. But I watched that whole segment and I just thought, hmm, there was a segment afterwards that they showed like Serena Williams and Simone Biles, um, showed all these people like in their sports and be like, oh, they were the greatest and Flojo like, oh yeah, they're the greatest rah, 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 um, at what they're doing. Um, but in terms of people speaking about their experiences, no black women, because Stephanie Travis is at least one black woman that's there in Formula One. But whatever, I don't know how they edited these things. I just felt like it didn't go down the way that it it probably was meant in my eyes. The fact that Red Bull, they could not bring out Verstappen, they could not bring out even Karen Horner, Spiceless Wonder, to come and speak. Like they were like, yeah, you can go. And in fact, somebody tweeted at me saying that they've um, heard that allegedly one of the Red Bull um, employees wanted to take part in the Hamilton research, you know, the Hamilton report research, and they were told that they couldn't. Um, So racism is abound but people don't want to address it and I think it's so glaring within formula one and that's why it makes it so uncomfortable at times to be a formula one like um support not even a spoiler yeah supporter to be a formula one fan whatever it makes it really difficult because you're just like wow this is wild behavior from top to bottom everybody's mad everybody's wild and we could address at least some of this but people are so scared to to offend the super rich white men who probably run everything that it's just like, no, this is enough. This is enough. We're not doing any more than this. This is enough. Um, and I just think it's very sad to be honest. So that's, yeah, that, that left the, ever since the, the incident with Verstappen basically having his car on top of Lewis's head, I haven't felt very, very comfortable. Um, but you know, whatever, whatever. It's not my battle to fight at the end of the day. You know, I'm out here shouting up and down and nobody's shouting for me. Um, but yeah, as for the race, um, basically Lewis Hamilton had to take a, a 10 place grid penalty so by that it means that like I explained to you for Verstappen and Bottas in previous weeks if you do something to your car you're allowed to I think you're allowed because of the new regulations that were introduced this year there's been a spending cap put on the team so um last year you know prior to um this year the richer teams, like Mercedes, Red Bull, rare, 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 they could change whatever they wanted in their cars because they had all of the money. But that meant that the um, the teams that didn't have as much money they were at a disadvantage. So it meant that particular teams were dominating and dominating and dominating. So they put a spending cap, and they also said to um, the teams that they can have without um, penalties, they can have access to three uh, power units for you know, amongst other things, they can have three power units for each um, car, for for each driver of the team. But once they've used them up in the races, every other power unit or whatever parts that they need that isn't the ones that they've been assigned, um, that's meant to hold them for the year or whatever, that they'll then um, get a penalty for everything that they request to add to the car as an upgrade. So... Because um, Hamilton's used up his free power units, he now needed um, an internal combustion engine. I feel like he needed an entirely new power unit. But they were thinking if he takes an entirely new power unit, that's going to be a 15, um, 15 place grid penalty. So that wherever he qualifies, so let's say he qualifies in pole position, which is at the top of the grid first place. Yeah, he's going to go 15 places back. And that's where he's going to start on the grid. So if he starts, so he's second, again, 15 places back, fifth, 15 places back, that sort of um, thing. So they thought we don't want to take a full penalty. I think anyway, in terms of strategy, they were like, we don't want to take a full penalty. So we're not going to take the entire engine. What is it that we really, really need from this unit that will make the car run and um, the car will do well? for another few races, so they asked for an internal combustion engine um, only, so that meant that he was then getting a 10-place grid penalty, so um, they did the upgrade to his car, all the free practice and final practice, he did amazing, and then when it came to uh, qualifying, he got pole position. He even signed, so when you get pole, when you get pole position, it's literally like you've won in like a mini race, even though you're not really racing each other. You win a mini race and they give you a tyre as your trophy, this mini tyre as your trophy and you sign it. So he signed his um, mini tyre trophy because now he's going to get a 10 place grid penalty he's not going to be in pole position. But do you know who is? Valtteri Bottas, his teammate. So he gives him the tyre and it says, um, what is it? Um, here, um, I, I hope you enjoy my trophy, something like that, and I thought, you know what, that is me, yes, Scorpio Rising, babe, yes, I will let you, I will remind you that that, this is actually mine, this is my trophy, but you can have it, because I've got to go 10 places back to start this race, so um, he has the 10 place, had the 10 place grid penalty, um, the race was pretty cool, in terms of um, the um, the circuit for the Turkish Grand Prix, really cool, because it undulates, like, it goes up and down a little bit, which is also good for water, so water doesn't, like, settle in the way that it does in other, um, on other circuits, so it makes it really, really difficult to drive, um, so anyway, he was doing really, really well for the race, let me just bring up how they started, even, because it was him in in pole position initially, and then, um, uh, Valtteri Bottas in second, and I think that Verstappen was then third, yeah, and we all know that Verstappen is wayward, so then Verstappen was then third, let's see what we've got here, here we go, so, um, yeah, Verstappen was then, um, third, but then he became second, Leclerc was, Charles, Lec- um, Charles Leclerc was, uh, fourth, but he became third, Gasly in fourth, you know, and so on, Alonso fifth, because everyone moved up one, because, um, Hamilton had to go to 11th place basically on the grid because he had to take 10 places back. Um, but it was a good place to be, you know, it was a good place to be that, you know, he, he, he did, he drove really, really well for the whole race. Like he was on one set of tires. He was on intermediate tires for pretty much the whole race. He was going, going, going for, I think it was a 58 lap race, 58 laps, For 50 laps, he had these one set of tires. And the thing is, it was raining, um at the Turkish Grand Prix, but not raining like it was in the other places. It was, it was, it had rained and and it was still drizzling on the day that they were racing as well. So the track was wet. So his thinking was, well, it's going to dry up because they kept hearing from like the weather forecast that it's going to dry up at some point. So he thought to himself, well, at this point, there's no point me going in and changing my tires. So I'm just going to stay out on these because if the weather does change, then the way that his tires had worn down to basically be slicks, he would be fine to use them um, should the track be drier. And at one point when... I think it was when Verstappen went in to go and change his tyres because everyone was trying to see as far as they could get on the set of tyres that they had. Um, So when Verstappen now went in to change his tyres, there was a suggestion to uh, Hamilton over the radio that he should come and change his. And he was just like, no, I think I'm going to try and make it through on these because at that point he was third. So if anything, he's still going to get good points for podium. Um, So he didn't want to come in. He's like, I will just hold on to this space. There's only eight laps left. Let me just hang in there on these tires. Um, or there was nine laps at that point. He was like, I'm just going to hang in there on these tires. And I think Leclerc was trying to do the same thing because he was first place at this point. So he just felt like, boom, if anything, I come third, let's say Verstappen comes, um, what is it, second or whatever, there is still only really going to be a one point, or is it two point difference between them, a one point, I think it was, it was only going to be a one point difference between them, so he was just like, I'm going to do this, this is damage limitation, because you know, prior to this, Hamilton was top of the table, and you know, top of the um, point, in terms of points for the championship, so even if Verstappen gets ahead of him, all right, cool, it's by one point, so I'm just going to Carry on going with this one set of tires. They were like, no, 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 no. You need to come in. So he listened. Now the thing is he also listened to them at the previous race as well when they were in Russia. He did listen and they were right. They did help him. And he ended up winning, getting his hundredth win. So sometimes you can never call it. This is the thing about um racing. This is the thing about Formula One. Like something that might have worked for you last week might not work for you this week because it's a completely different track. It's a completely diff different set of conditions. So he goes in now to change his tires but what they didn't tell him because they use something called a strat um uh, that is kind of like a computer that they put in um based on how the race is going they put in what they want to do and it works out like the variables or whatever and says well if you do this you're end you're gonna likely finish the race in this position i don't think that they um, were clear enough when they were speaking to hamilton to say like rah if you come in now at this point, um, after the 50th lap or on the 50th lap and you change these tires, you're going to drop two places back. And eight laps is not enough for him to wear the tires in enough because the tires, um, that he would, that he would have changed to, he didn't have enough time to like wear them in enough to be able to, um, then really start picking up pace. So he, he comes in, changes the tires and ends up, um, two places behind so basically he ended up finishing fifth and he was furious and he has every right to be. But the way that the media police and the anger of black people um, or people of black heritage is so disgusting to see because suddenly the newspapers are running stories like he's furious with his team and he's du da duh, duh, duh. duh, duh and he had to put out a story on his Instagram stories this morning saying that no I'm not furious with my team but I was upset yeah I, and I have a right to be um you know everyone wants to do their best and in that moment I felt like I was you know I was right in the right and they said what they wanted me to do and I did it and you know we got what we got because I think he, at the end of the day there were eight laps left if you'd stayed out yes other people all the other drivers were changing their tires but if you just stayed out kept the pace that he had okay worst case scenario he would have still ended up fifth, but would it have been any worse than him coming in, changing his tires, and then end up ending up fifth anyway? Look at look at what we ended up with. So sometimes I think that the team, um, the strategy team, they need to be more assertive. Like I don't know, like. So, you know, like I said, it's one of them things. Sometimes they get it right and sometimes they just get it wrong. But in that situation, I really feel like Hamilton should have followed his instincts and just stayed out there. Fam, there are only eight laps left. Firm it and get it done. But they told him to come in. He listened and then boom, ended up with what he ended up in. But if we consider um, when it was um, the Russian Grand Prix, what's his name? Norris, Lando Norris, didn't listen to his um, team, his strategist. When they told him to come in, he wanted to ride it out. And then by the time he did decide to come in, it was too late and then he lost the first place position. He didn't even make podium, I don't think, once um, that happened. Um, Well, he didn't, he did not make podium. Um, once that happened. So you you never can call it, but in that situation, you should have just listened to his instincts. Because again, Vettel, who drives for Ant- Aston Martin, Vettel saw that the weather was changing. He tried to go in and change his tyres because he wanted to optimise the weather change, only for it to be tyres that weren't suitable. I think, what did he try to change to medium compounds or something. He tried to change to some set of tires that, that ideally would have been useful if it was the right weather that he was expecting. But as soon as he tried to leave the pit, man was spinning. He was spinning anyhow. He had to come back immediately and change to a set of intermediates and go back out again, because those were the suitable tires for the actual um, conditions that they had. But he was trying to preempt things. So sometimes you think that you've got something and you think, you know, but you just don't. So yeah, it was, It was a very Higgy race. And so instead of being one point behind um, Verstappen in the championship race, he's now six points behind Verstappen. So hopefully at the Austin Grand Prix, because that's the next one now, Texas is the next race. Hopefully there, um, you know, hopefully Hamilton can win and then lessen that lead a little bit. But it's going to be really tight. There aren't many races left before the end of the year. We finish in December, I think, what, there's like six races left or something. That is tight. But if he can really kind of, with the, with the team, with his driving skills, hope that internal combustion engine holds out, um, and whatever else he needs, hopefully he can see it through, but, you know, Bottas ended up winning the race, so Mercedes still get points in that, I mean, Mercedes still get points from Lewis being fifth, but, you know, they get a lot of points from, um, Bottas winning, which keeps them firmly, I think they're 30 points ahead, um, on the championships, you know the constructors championships table. So Mercedes are ahead as a team individually. Um, Lewis is second, um, but Bottas, you know, did well for himself. You know, he did really, really well for himself. So um, the, the way that the championship table looks now in terms of the the standings now for the team is uh, Mercedes is on 433 and a half points and Red Bull is on 397 and a half points McLaren is on 240 which is really good Ferrari is on 232 and 0.5 Alpine it's on 104 points. Alpha Tauri, which is basically Baby Red Bull, they're on 92 points. Aston Martin's on 61. Williams is on 23. Alpha Romeo is on seven. And Haas is on zero. <laughs> what a shame. What a shame. That is disgraceful. My God. um. But in terms of the driver standings, Verstappen is on 262.5 points and Hamilton is on 256.5 points and Bottas is on 177.5... I'm sorry, 177 points. I'm so used to saying 0.5. I'm laughing because I'm thinking to myself, rah, what would happen if actually Hamilton wins his eighth world championship by half a point. When we get to December, he wins by half a point. Do you know? Do you know how I will scream? I will scrum. I will scrump. <sighs> wow. But let's see how it goes. But, you know, congratulations to Bottas for understanding the assignment and not letting, um, um, Verstappen get even more points by winning the, um, Turkish Grand Prix. Because if, um, if Verstappen had won, he would have gotten 25 points, as opposed to coming second, where he got 18 points, and also Bottas got 26 points, because he won the race, plus he got the fastest lap as well, so that's an extra point, so all good to him, all good for him, he got one for the team, got one for himself, you know, let a baby boy live his life before he moves to Alfa Romeo, we don't know what's going to happen when he ends up there, but that's that for, um, start your motors i I hope that you enjoyed that. I'll be keeping you up with as much as I can keep you up with um yeah, I'll keep you updated with all of that let's anyway, let's get to straw of the week aka suck your mum and let's get the hell out of here. Let's get out of here um so my first straw of the week aka suck your mum goes out to the prison. There is a prison that was moving wild, and I hate them with all of my heart. Where is it? Let's see. Yes. Marion Correctional Institution in North Carolina is eliminating physical mail, forcing the inmates to pay to use tablets to connect with loved ones. You can't send them a physical letter or pictures. They, um, are denied pictures and letters, like they're denied physical pictures and letters, um, that they sent, um, to their families and, um, they've also withheld books as well that is being sent. Um, they claim that some of these letters and pictures that are sent to them have unknown substances, um, which is wild, right? Um, and they don't even have the tablets yet. So they're banning the, um, sending of physical mail, but they don't even have the tablets that would be replacing them. And, this is the thing about the prison of uh, the prison industrial complex. A country addicted to war, a country uh, addicted to incarcerating black people and um brown people, well, primarily black people, for the sake of free labour. They will find any way to optimize their profits. And so, to them, why are we allowing you to send physical mail that we cannot make money out of? Like, fam, you're already making money off the calls. When people want to physically call their family, you're already making money off that by the return charges are they? But yeah, that's still going to someone, right? But now they want to make more money. So it's like all these privatized companies who will be um, su- um, supplying the software or the means um, through which you'll be able to contact family members. is so extortionate. Like, you're already punishing them enough. Can't they just be able to contact family? Why must they be charged for that as well? If prisons must exist for a little bit longer, surely you can make the process of communicating with family members as easy and as free as possible so as to um, alleviate the mental distress that a lot of people who are incarcerated will be feeling or are likely to be feeling due to being isolated. It's such an it's such an inhumane society that we live in where it's not enough that you've put them in prison. You're now like, no, how can we suck out the money from your family members and anybody else who wants to interact with you in any way to just remind you that you're still human? Mother fuck you, Marion Correctional Facility. Fuck you all the way over there in North Carolina. Suck your mothers, you absolute vile, heartless, soulless dickheads. So, That's my first straw of the week. My second straw of the week is interesting. It goes out to former chief constable, uh, to a former chief constable who um, was speaking to the papers about the fact that, you know, being a woman in the police force, she's seen horrendous um, incidents of um, sexism, but seems to somehow still be talking about, oh, I believe in good policing. What are you talking about? So she had an interview, I think it was with the Times and, she, and they've written here, one night when Sue Fish was in her mid-twenties and a probationary officer, a senior colleague left her in the car while he had sex in the house of a woman he had encountered while policing. Was she a vulnerable woman? I would, had a, I would hazard a guess, that's what she said. She says, it's fair to say that sex on duty was seen by some as being a perk of the job. I need you to take that in. Sex on duty's po- police officers were going out on duty, having sex with women that they've interacted with while they were meant to be doing their jobs. And this is the policing system that you want us to trust in. I feel like week after week, I'm literally coming here and dragging the police at this point. But there is so much being unearthed that there is no way that we can ignore it. Even to the fact that the police have said that they're no longer investigating anything to do with Jeffrey Epstein's um, uh, crimes that he may have committed in the UK. Um, I mean, one because he's not here, but also, why wouldn't they want to into, um, you know, in, uh, what is it, investigate it anymore? Because it likely leads back to Prince Andrew and to probably more powerful men, more powerful men in the UK, and that's why they didn't even want to go further, even when they were investigating Jimmy Savile, because it's going to implicate so, so many people, so, so many people, that people don't want to see it, I said the same thing even with R. Kelly, if that guy does decide to sing, and talk about all the other people who were complicit, and who knew of the things that he was doing, I promise you, pretty much 98% of the music industry will burn down immediately everything will crumble immediately and i keep stressing your faves will be impacted also and i don't and you lot are very very good at picking and choosing who and when and who and what you support but that one is going to be pretty hard to ignore because everywhere it's linked everywhere like it's undeniable at this point um so yeah I don't see why they wouldn't want to investigate it unless they felt, or they were being stopped by higher ups and why the higher ups stopping them because everybody's involved in one way or another. RIP Jill Dando. Um, Anyway, she goes on to say, it's fair to say sex on duty was seen by some as being a perk of the job. It left me feeling like I didn't know who to talk to about it. Saying to the concerned man, don't do this to me, don't do this to her, just don't do this at all, made no difference. She goes on, um, they describe her as being devout in her respect for the idealism and service of people in the force. And it is her care for the police that makes her want to speak out now in the wake of the sentencing of Wayne Cousins. She um, have, um, has women's trust in the police being eroded. She says, I think for most women, it's absolutely shattered. And that's heartbreaking because I believe in policing. She pauses, good policing anyway. What the fuck are you talking about, Sue? Sue, sue, sue. Woo, woo, woo. What the fuck are you talking about? What is good policing? Have you ever seen it? Have you ever seen it? Do you know what it looks like? Good policing. What is that? Never heard of it. Never heard of it whatsoever. I I just don't know what you mean. Like you've literally described like the fact that this is a casual thing for police officers to be like, oh, I can have sex on duty. These are part of the perks of doing that. And then in the same breath, you want to talk about good policing. The math ain't mathing, and the cognitive dissonance is scary. It says here, When she joined the force, she was advised that the chief constable disapproved of women who lived in sin, but also that married women were unwanted as they would leave to have babies. That's what he was saying to her in a force. Um, so they didn't want single women and they also didn't want married women. So basically they didn't want any women. Um, it says here, many female officers were married to police officers. It wasn't just about sexual harassment. It was about domestic abuse between police officers. Wow. For a young woman going into policing now, how confident is she that she would be safe and respected? Um, she says i'd love to think that they would be I'm not completely confident I'm not completely confident putting it mildly so how can you say that and then say that you believe in good policing if you've never seen it like what are you talking about at this point good policing sounds like Santa Claus like you don't know so this is why I feel like you can suck your mother out and the entire police force can suck their mothers because I'm disgusted to know that this is a thing that just casually happens and that police officers just on duty just go and sleep with women that they've interacted with like that is very very scary but again it was depicted in line of duty too whether he was doing it um on duty or whatever it was just a bit creepy that that is ha- the only way that he felt like he could meet women women i've even forgotten his name but it felt like that's the only way that he could meet women through the women that he'd interacted with while he's been on duty wow, Line of Duty was doing a lot, was doing a lot, and I think it spoke a lot to the kind of things that we're seeing Cressida Dick doing now, so Sue Fish, you didn't help the situation in the way that you think that you did, definitely it's good to know that these policemen are doing all of these things, but the fact that you can't outright just say, you know what, everything is a mess, and I admit that, that's why you're getting straw of the week, and you can also suck out, um, I also read that a, um, a woman, I think she con- she complained. A tribunal was held, and um, a, a former policewoman had complained about sexual um, harassment or whatever. And the next day, she was fired from her job. Um, yeah, it says here that a former Met detective is set to be compensated after an employment tribunal found that she had a job offer withdrawn a day after she complained about sexist messages and images on a WhatsApp group containing police officers. So again, they don't want whistleblowers. They don't want anyone that's doing all of that. And if, and it says that she'd already, it, that this incident had already been mentioned to Priti Patel and Cressida Dick. But again, nobody cares. They could just do what they want. Um, It says here, a retired Metropolitan Police detective has accused both Preeti Patel and Cressida Dick of ignoring evidence of vulgar and sexist WhatsApp group messages involving police contractors and police officers. Former t- uh, former detective superintendent um, Paige Kimberly said she wrote to the Home Secretary and the head of the Met shortly after the murder of Sarah Everard, asking for a review of how inappropriate behaviour is addressed amongst contract workers. The IOPC, obviously because they never do anything, is now investigating offensive and abusive sexist messages shared by a WhatsApp group that involved Everard's murderer Wayne Cousins, which was a different group from the one Kimberly was in. Of course it was, but they all doing the same. Thing. Kimberly is set to be compensated after a tribunal last month ruled a job offer was withdrawn from her a day after she was told um, that a day after she told her civilian line manager about sexist messages and images on a WhatsApp group. An internal investigation in 2019 took no action against the male officers saying the messages were distasteful, but did not amount to criminality or misconduct. Of course not. Kimberly said she wrote to Cressida Dick in March this year about the vulgar and sexist comments that were circulating on the WhatsApp group that one of the contractors, an ex-senior officer, has put in place. According to to Kimberly, I sent it a recorded delivery. I never got a reply. I also wrote to the Home Secretary, Priti Patel, but did not get a response. It has cost them an awful lot of money to defend this case, and they try to discredit me. Kimberly was commended seven times during her 32-year career with the Met. An employment tribunal in London heard she retired in 2013, but four years later she was approached to rejoin the Met as part of its digital policing strategy. She was offered the role as one of its implementation managers, and the team consisted of a retired male CM of retired male senior officers, a serving constable and a civilian IT specialist. Kimberly said a WhatsApp group was created by the team members so we could keep in touch and assist each other with any problems that arose. She said adding that the name of the group was Old Timers Plus Dave. She said at Um, as time went on, the posts in the group evolved into light-hearted conversations between colleagues. After Kimberly left the role, she remained on the WhatsApp group. As soon as I left, I noticed that the language and images being shared within the group began to become graphic, sexual, and derogatory towards women, she told the tribunal. She claims her male colleagues were aware that she was still in the group, but they continued to publish statements, images, and videos which were negative towards or about women, up to 20 messages a day. Do you not know not, but obviously you'll have time to do all of that when you're not washing your legs. Um, in her statement to the tribunal, Kimberly said, I was shocked and disappointed by the content of these messages. Yet despite their respective responsibilities and on um, whose behalf they were working and being paid res- um, reasonably high amounts by the taxpayer, they were still circulating aggressive and inappropriate messages, photographs and videos in a work WhatsApp group, including a graphic image of a deceased vagina. Wow. Wow. Messages calling women slags and disclosing very misogynistic and sexist um, attitudes towards women. Kimberly told the tribunal that when she was asked to return in September 2019, she did not feel she could until the content of the WhatsApp group had been addressed and claimed the conduct by the contractors had created a hostile and offensive environment. Um, a Met spokesman said, we are currently assessing the details of the tribunal's findings. We cannot comment further at this time. So you go, when I talk about it not being a few rotten, rotten apples and it being the entire orchard, this is exactly what I'm saying. It's every fucking thing. And you're saying, oh, more women in the Met, more women in the Met. She wrote to Pretty unpretty Patel. She wrote to that Cressida dickhead and still nothing was done. Why? Because nobody cares and nobody really wants change. They just want the appearance of change. And so everybody in that situation all the men in that WhatsApp group, Preeti Patel, Cressida, everyone can go suck out because nothing's been done. Um, and on a final note, my final straw of the week goes out to Boris Johnson, who's gone on holiday to Marbella, even though universal credit has been cut for the people who are low, on low incomes and need um, the support. Um this is just wild. Like you can go on how many holidays a year? You go on more holidays than you can count in terms of your children. I don't know if you have more holidays or more children. Can't really figure it out at this point. Do you know how many children you've had? Who knows? But you're going on holiday after holiday while people in this country are literally starving and don't have homes. But your con, your concern is to go in Marbella, to go to Marbella and have a tan. So I hope that the straw is heated before you use it to suck your mother, you dickhead. So that's that for this week's episode of SYM officially known as Say Your Mind, unofficially known as What What, That's Right, Suck Your Mum. I have been Kelechi carfor and you can follow me on at Kelechi Carfor at Say Your Mind Pod. You can send your messages to um, at ym at kelechi Um Remember to send your voice notes there. Keep them under two minutes, please. And your... Um, letters and all of the good things about sharing your magnificence. So you mad and straw of the week, send me all of the things. I look forward to reading them. Um, yes, I'll be adding the one-to-one tarot readings at some point on Patreon for people to book. Um, yeah, I'll get all of these things done. It's just going to be a busy couple of weeks before, um, I know what my timetable is really, really looking like, but I appreciate you all for listening. And yeah, anyway, I'll catch you on the flip side. Peace. It's the fence, Brunani woman. is baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this. If you sit down, sit down, we receive this realness. Make sure your cups ready for the tea yeah, we are gonna here Hard time scalding for your long trots. You might learn something you never know. Could let you find, and she's wonderful kind. Don't say you mind say you mind.